the first thing is through conversation you have to find a get into a dialogue i found in my experience engineers for example they do a lot of work on projects they are dealing with customers on a day to day basis they are dealing with multiple stakeholders inside and outside the organization but ask them to document anything or put anything down on a piece of paper and they'll run a mile so the best thing to do with them is get into a conversation nobody has a problem about talking hello and welcome to master of comms the podcast for transformative communication straight from the pros today we are going to be discussing how can one create thought leaders within an organization i am krusha sejwani co-host of master of comms and director of asia at sociable and today i'm accompanied by our guest for the day peter york senior vice president marketing at santec peter welcome thank you krusha good to be here Thank you for being here and let's start there. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself Peter? I'm a marketing and communications professional who actually turned to marketing and communications quite accidentally about 3 and a half decades ago. I started my career as a journalist, but now I've spent a lot of my time working for product and services companies and in between a short stint of actually running my own uh, company before I sold it off. It's been 35 long years. I'm currently senior vice president of marketing at Suntech. That's quite a splendid list of experiences and you managed to somehow sum it up in two sentences. So thank you. Peter also I think before we dive into the subject for the day, if you can tell us a little bit about Suntech. So Suntech is a product company we are into the pricing and billing and uh, we have a suite of solutions that we offer to our customers. We have about 150 plus customers across 45 countries worldwide. and our vision is a lofty one but it's one that where we want to be at the heart of every transaction in a digitally driven world so we want to create value for our customers through this and through the uh, products that we offer them lovely of course we want to dive into the subject today i know you're going to give a lot of value and it's always interesting to know who that's coming from so thank you for telling us about both you and santec and now we can dive in and we want to figure out how can you create thought leaders in an organization but let's start by can you help us define who even is a thought leader krishna a thought leader is somebody who can provide a unique view a unique perspective and on a particular subject based on their experience based on their expertise based on what they actually do at the workplace so that is really who a thought leader is and surprisingly every organization has got several thought leaders but the issue is that many of the thought leaders don't recognize themselves as thought leaders and i think that is where the role of communications comes in interesting and so they don't recognize themselves as thought leaders so it becomes of course the organization's duty to try to figure this out why do you think it's important today though like why are organizations trying to do this today See, in a world that is so full of communication and clutter, thought leadership distinguishes an organization. So it enables them to kind of stand out from their peers, from their competition, more importantly. And in today's dynamic environment, which is kind of spewing out technology after technology, year after year, it's essential to basically portray thought leadership. if you want to really stand head and shoulders above the crowd so thought leadership becomes very important from that perspective 
in this very highly competitive environment. Peter, you did explain very well what a thought leader is. Could you grace us maybe with an example? If we were to think of any organization, you can take Suntech or you can even take any company you want. Who would be typical thought leaders if we had to just think about this? A typical thought leader would be somebody who's able to move above the virtues and values of the product, move above what the company stands for, but really talk to the customer or talk to a stakeholder about what the true value of the proposition is in terms of what they are talking about from an industry perspective. To translate this, it means essentially, if, if I look at our own thought leaders within the company, what they try and do is to talk to the customer, for, as an example, about what they offer or about what we offer or what we can offer to the market, but not in terms of attributing it back to the product or the service or the company. They talk in larger terms. They're on a they're on a different plane altogether. That's really what it's all about. Interesting. So it sounds, of course, when you because you've simplified it in the explanation, it almost sounds fairly simple, right? You find these people who are ahead of the curve, who know what they're talking about, and they become thought leaders. So what is the challenge when we are setting this up? The biggest challenge with really dealing with thought leaders is, first of all, to acknowledge the fact that they are thought leaders or could be thought leaders. And then how you can translate this thought leadership into something that's tangible. So that could be in the form of, the best known form of thought leadership is, for example, in the form of writing, as an example. And most people, okay, are just fearful of writing. They're fearful of even putting their thoughts on a piece of paper, whether it's structured or unstructured. So that's the first big barrier that one has to overcome. And then... To get them to understand the basics of putting that whole thought leadership into a storytelling mode. Storytelling is another thing which people are very, very scared about. But if you really think back to your formative years, all of us grew up with our parents or our grandparents or uncles or aunts or whatever it is. And they encouraged us to learn values, for example, through storytelling. It was as simple as that. So if you go back ancient literature, for example, we were all given those books and we read them in, in school and we read them on our parents' laps and they read to us and all the rest of it. That was all storytelling. Unfortunately, somewhere along the way, that got killed because we kind of started to move into a world that was highly regularized, templatized, formatted. We lost that creativity of thinking and developing things into stories. That's the biggest challenge that to bring people back to the storytelling days is where we have the problem. I think that's so interesting. And I have to ask you something on what you said before. But first on storytelling, because what you're saying here is we've gotten to so much of the mode of uh, templates, organization, and then the creativity is lost. So how do you strike that balance, though, when you are promoting storytelling, but it's still in an organization, corporate setup, right? So what's the balance there? To be honest, Krusha, you have to break that setup. As long as you can tell a good story and basically convey the point that you want to talk about, that is, in my view, you would have achieved something. I mean, I have a colleague, for example, who worked for a large multinational in the products and services space. They relate their product and what they're doing in technology, contemporary things that are happening in the world outside. 
It could be the latest film that's being released in a theater. And they bring the storyline to life and they bring what their product does to life by actually marrying both these elements together. Now that becomes very relatable to somebody who actually is trying to understand a perspective or trying to understand a view. You try to make things more relatable through the story, through the narrative. And through in that process, you actually are able to kind of convey your thought leadership in the market. I think that's a great example. So as you said, there has to be at some level being able to let go of that system. The two other challenges you spoke of was one, identifying and letting these people understand that they are in fact thought leaders. And the second is the writing, right? So how do you tackle these two challenges? The first thing is through conversation. You have to kind of get into a dialogue. I found in my experience, Engineers, for example, they do a lot of work on projects. They're dealing with customers on a day-to-day basis. They're dealing with multiple stakeholders inside and outside the organization. But ask them to document anything or put anything down on a piece of paper and they'll run a mile. So the best thing to do with them is get into a conversation. Nobody has a problem about talking. People have a problem about writing. One of the easiest things that I've found in my career is sit across a table or get into a call and ask them a few questions, prompt them along the way get them to feel a little comfortable and then to see where you're going with this whole thing. And then they start becoming more accepting of the fact that indeed they have a story to tell. They have a view to present. They have a thought that they want to share. That is one of the easiest things to do, get into a conversation. And the other thing is that develop a line of questioning which you can send them in advance, for example, so that they start thinking about the subject before they even come to the table. So I think if you're able to kind of spur them in that direction and move them in that direction, then you have somebody who then starts to believe that, okay, great, I think I have something to say. I think it's worthy of putting out there. And you you got to kind of lift them out of the day-to-day mundane work that they're doing into seeing something which is more visionary. I think that's the role that we can play as communicators. That's so beautifully put. You took the example, Peter, of engineers, right? So have you seen this? Is there a different approach that needs to be applied to different departments when you're finding thought leaders or is it more a one-size-fits-all? See, the, the fundamental approach of talking to people doesn't differ from department to department. What will differ from department to department is basically what you're questioning them on. It obviously has to be related to their subject. It has to talk a little bit about what's happening in the world outside. There, you will have some differentiation in what you say. But fundamentally, this whole thing about not asking people to write, but really telling them, look, can I talk to you? Can I record the conversation? Can I then get a transcript together? Can I help you with doing some of the research in this? And can I actually then develop the piece for you? And you review it. itself overcomes a lot of barriers and challenges. And we found that, by the way, working very, very effectively in Suntech. Lovely. So what you're saying, it's also... It's kind of co-working on it. You're not just asking them to do it. You're doing a large part of it and then asking them to review it. So the idea is theirs, then a lot of the work is yours. And then again, the reviewing is there. So it's sort of a co-creation, right? It's a collaborative process. It's an iterative process. So that is basically what it is. And what you will find over a period of time is that they will actually start leading the way. So it's like, it's like dancing with a partner. One person takes the lead and the other follows. Exactly the same thing that we do here. So you take the lead and you kind of direct them down a path. After a little while, you'll find that they will be taking the lead because they have understood the process and they just know what they want to say and how to say it. So it, it's, it's a great uh, way of kind of working. 
And that goes to show you clearly on the next phase with this at Santec. And it shows that with the work you'll have done, because if the ideas are now coming from the thought leaders, that's definitely leveling up. Peter, can you, I think, I'm going to ask you to just break this up for the sake of our audience. You have a lot of people who are probably starting to do this. And content is, of course, a big pillar, right, for thought leadership, as you've described. So what does this process look like at Santec? You, ha- you start with a conversation, you get these ideas. Is there organized meetings that happen at a specific frequency? Is it more ad hoc? What's the approach you recommend? We have regular governance meetings which happen every month. And we realize that if you don't, you kind of pin things down and put a structure to it, then things slip between the cracks. So one of the things we said is let's have a regular meeting of key department heads and they are free to nominate people to these meetings if they don't want to attend or they can have their colleagues and themselves attend, whatever it is. So we have about a dozen people who are invited to these meetings every month. Now, it's not that all, all 12 of them kind of show up. Sometimes it's less, sometimes it's more. But the point is, we have these meetings every month. Now, as a precursor to this meeting, what we do is, as a communications team, we actually track some of the themes that we would like people to kind of focus their attention on and we publish those themes. Now, these are not hard and fast. It's not that you have to kind of cover this, but we kind of publish those themes just to trigger some thought or trigger some discussion. And at these meetings, what we do is we have a quick kind of, we go around the table and ask people whether they have anything that they want to bring to the table from the discussions that they've been having in the past months with their stakeholders, customers, whatever it is. So we get ideas coming in. It's not just a one-sided kind of a thing. And what we do in these meetings is we also publish very clearly some of the good thought leadership that's come out in the previous months. We actually, as an organization, have a leaderboard that gets published on the sociable platform every month. So we know who these thought leaders are. And every year, actually, we've now also instituted a thought leadership of the year award. It's a kind of a complete process that kind of goes from end to end. And we found this to be working very, very successfully because one thing I can tell you, people are inherently competitive in nature. So once I see somebody else doing thought leadership, I think to myself, why can't I also be doing the same thing? Why can't I get my article published? You keep asking yourself the same questions. And uh, believe me, this has grown in the organization. That's very interesting. So this you're saying is what has helped with the motivation, right? Because at the end of the day, Everything you described is not initially part of the job profile, right, for all of these people. It's something extra that they are starting to do and there needs to be some level of motivation. These leaderboards, these awards, these have helped with the motivation. Is there anything else that you see that has worked with these things? There are two things. One is we started out in a very kind of a laissez-faire manner and left it open for people to come forth and communicate and do whatever and provided them all the assistance. That was one approach. But there was another group in the organization, which is our engineering group, where the leader firmly believed in thought leadership and actually made it a mandatory thing for all his team to actually contribute. Now, this was a very interesting thing because what he felt is that in today's world, where people are not so prone to, for example, taking training, which could be a long-term training course, or sitting in front of an online learning program which could last for one hour or two hours, he actually encourages people to share their experiences in a micro-learning kind of a format. And we actually used the sociable platform where we created one entire section to 
allow people to upload this content after it was verified onto the platform for other people to consume. So it was a way of sharing among peer groups about what was happening in the function. Now, this particular leader made it mandatory for his team to actually participate in this. So it was not an optional thing. But for the rest of the organization, it, it's an optional thing. We show people the benefits and we've seen good results from that. Very interesting. Peter, you have touched upon communication, of course. So we spoke about content, which is a big pillar. Communication and the distribution of this content is the second pillar. You did touch upon in a little bit. Can you help us understand this in a little more detail? How is this content and the communication around it done with your thought leaders? One of the things that we've done is and that we have Sociable as our internal communications and advocacy platform at Suntech. We use Sociable as the first port of call. Any content that people want to publish, which goes through the cycle, gets approved, goes up on Sociable. That is one thing that we do. And we also allow content to get advocated from there onto social media platforms. That is one of the things that we do. On the other hand, the other thing that we do is our, our social media team actually propagates certain articles because many of them are linked to some of the themes of what is going on in the organization or in the market. We use LinkedIn, we use X, which used to be Twitter. We use these platforms to actually propagate this content out. Some content even qualifies to be go into the media. So we deal with a lot of trade media, both in India and abroad, particularly in uh, North America and in UK. Some of the articles actually get published over there. That's the way we kind of disseminate it. And uh, what our agency does is that every month they track the articles that have been put out uh, on our website and they actually publish uh, a list of articles in order of priority based on the number of hits that they have got. So that is, again, a good indication of how many people are coming to those articles and actually consuming content over there. So that's a, another very good thing. And uh, when we have the articles put on our website, we also optimize them for SEO so that they get better reach through the search engines. It's a multi-pronged thing. At the base, it's sociable. We have our website, and then we have the social media channels, which is LinkedIn, X, and then we have the trade media at the at the topmost layer. So that's essentially how it gets propagated. That's really clear, Peter. Thank you for actually drawing that out. It also paints a very pyramid visual in my head. You did, in fact, Peter, touch upon a sort of analytic when you spoke about how the articles that are getting the most hits is something that's tracked and then put forward. You have been on this journey for a couple of months now, right? So how long has it been since you started this? And are you able to actually share any kind of statistics with us on results? Absolutely. So we've been on this journey now for about 18 months. And uh, in the last one year, we have had more than 100 articles which we've actually got published on our website. Specifically on Sociable, we have a channel for our engineering team, which I spoke about. And that actually is the second highest viewed channel in the organization. We have about 125 videos which are over there. And we have about 22,000 impressions on that channel. That's the kind of numbers that we, we see on Sociable, plus about 700 deep reads. That's the kind of uh, numbers that we see there. And the other interesting thing is we started out with two or three thought leaders. When you want to start a program, find out people who are inclined to work on the program and find two or three of these guys, become friends with them, help them to propagate uh, articles that they're writing 
and then it spreads like wildfire. It becomes very infectious. So we started with two or three people in the organization. Today, I think we have close to about 25 people who are regular contributors. And we have more people who are interested in getting their thought leadership published. In fact, we have specific groups in the organization who come to us and, and ask us, can you help us do a workshop to spur this thought leadership internally? Finally, I think, and, and this is important, when we have a visiting customer who comes to us, it could be a customer who's coming on a review or whatever it is, we are able to showcase this thought leadership to them. And they do it at the group level. I don't even get involved as the head of communications. At the group level, they kind of print out this communication or they showcase this communication to the customer, which reinforces the whole thought leadership angle with the customer. And, and it reinforces this alignment with what the customer's business is and what is happening in the world around. It's a big thing that, that gets done. Firstly, that's incredible statistics. Thank you for sharing them openly with us. It's so nice that you spoke about the fact that it starts with finding the genuine two, three, and then before you know it, you've doubled that number and tripled that number as has happened in the case of Suntech. Absolutely. I think that's, that's critical. Lovely. Thank you for sharing that, Peter. I want to also say that, as we said, you all have gone through levels already in this uh, thought leadership journey. So what's the next level? Where does this go now? Well, the next level is to kind of make it an all-wide kind of thing. So what we do is that the communications team participates in the induction program wherever we have new people joining the company at any level. So they could be freshers or they could be experienced people. We reinforce the thought leadership message right up front over there. And we tell them that whenever they feel that they would like to contribute something, they are welcome to do this. Another thing is that while we have got the program where written communication is kind of more or less streamlined for thought leadership, we are now spending a lot of energy in terms of actually looking at how we can build out podcasts. And uh, this is an interesting thing. In fact, uh, what we have done, and again here, it's not something that we have kind of actively participated in as a communications team, but we found that it's, it, it got picked up by the team in North America themselves. The subject matter expert on a particular topic of account analysis, which is a solution that we offer to North American banks, he got into a discussion with the person who runs sales. And they both did a podcast sitting across on Zoom. And that got into the, got published. And then now they're using it whenever they write to their customer saying that, I don't know whether you've seen this podcast, but we're talking about some new developments in the field and uh, you may want to review it. And by the way, could we also have a meeting with you? So it's being used as a business development tool. I'm so glad you mentioned that because sometimes it sounds like this is just a side project that happens, but clearly it soon starts showing even business results, which is very clear with a lot of things in marketing that sometimes have a long-term approach. Absolutely. And so that's what we're now investing a lot of time in because we believe that the audio format is something that we need to also encourage. Interesting. So the next plan is not just scale. The second thing is also experimenting with different types of content. And I'm very interested in this podcast. Peter, we could keep talking to you because there's so much value you're giving us. Could you help sum this up? Now, if I am a listener who's looking to set up a thought leadership program in my company, if I had to do three things, what are the three things you would recommend that I start with? So I think the first thing, crucial is start small. Don't start with some lofty targets and numbers and all that. Start small. And keep the barriers low when you start. So, for example, when we started, we said, you can write anything. We're not going to constrain you by certain topics. But as the program matured, now we have topics that we also share with people. I say, we still prefer you to write on this. 
you want to write something beyond that, it's fine. So start small, keep the barriers low. The second thing is have a governance process. So track and let there be one person doing the tracking and doing the reporting. Because if you don't have that, then things could slip between the cracks. And the third thing is publicly acknowledge the contributions that people are doing. People are not looking for monetary rewards and for all the rest. They're just looking for acknowledgement. So if you're able to, as I said, we put a leaderboard up on Sociable every month. So people know who are the thought leaders contributing. We have a thought leader of the year award, which we present at the end of the year to people whose articles have received the most number of hits. That is the kind of motivation that people like. So show the results in a public forum and people are more than happy to kind of contribute to this. And the other thing we've done is when we publish articles in the trade media and that appears there, we actually circulate it across the organization saying that so-and-so article has appeared in this publication. So do click and read. I think it's three things. Start small and keep the barriers low. Have a strict governance process and show results of the program to your colleagues. I think these are three things that have worked well for us. That's perfect. I think this is going to be so useful for a lot of people. I'm not going to ask you any more questions on thought leadership, even though I think this conversation can continue and we'll definitely have a part two at some point. But before we let you go, Peter, this is a question I like asking all my guests. Is there a book or a movie most recently that has had the most significant impact on you? That's a difficult question to answer because I read quite a lot. I read articles, I read books. I, I was reading a book recently by Tamil Bandhupadhyay called Roller Coaster, which actually talks about the Indian banking industry and the kind of twists and turns that it's undergone over many decades. I think that was an interesting book because I like to read things that bring stories to life because ultimately I believe that is also part of my profession. And I thought this was a really interesting catalog of what had happened or what happens in the banking sector and a kind of a peak behind the curtain, so to speak. So that's that's an interesting book that I've read, but I, I read quite a lot. So there, there are quite a few things that uh, you ask me the same question after <laughs> days, maybe I'll give you a different answer. But that that's your favorite today. That's had the most impact today. Thank you for sharing that. I That's not my usual genre, but the way you narrated it in your storytelling fashion has got me intrigued. So now I've made a note of it as a recommendation. So thank you for that. And thank you for being here, Peter. Thank you so much for your valuable tips and your time today. It's been a pleasure, Krishan. Nice talking to you. Thank you. This was Master of Comms, the podcast for transformative communication straight from the polls. Find us here for your next episode. See you soon.